0: Man, How many of you are ready to hear a good word from the Lord? Amen. Well, I know that's exactly what's going to be brought, what has been prepared for us tonight. And I say for us because I'm included in this. Amen. This is a message from God. Amen. For you and I. And I know that that is, it is, man, it is, it is real. So we've been having a great series this month of September, and I know we are coming to a close for the month of September. I can't believe how fast time is moving forward, but they say time flies when you're having fun, right? Isn't that how it goes? How many of you are having fun in the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Pray for, pray for this nation, pray for this world, amen, that, that, we would, that we would fall to our knees, amen, and surrender to God, and that God would bring healing, not only, not only in our homes, amen, but in this world. This world needs healing. It needs healing. It needs Jesus. This world needs Jesus. You know, the world is searching for for, for, for joy and, and, and fulfillment and all these things and trying to achieve it, trying to buy it. But how many know that, amen, this is something that money cannot buy, amen? It doesn't, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how much you give or how much you don't give, amen? God is still good, amen? God is still faithful. How many know that God is still on the move, amen? He's still, he's still doing things in our lives, amen? He's still making a way where where everyone says there is no way because nothing is gonna stop God, amen? Nothing, no one is gonna stop God. You serve a real, living God and you need to be excited about that, amen? You're a child of God. We need to keep our eyes not on this world but but on the things above, amen, in Jesus' name. If you're struggling with that, just like I do at times, you need, to help God for, you need to ask God for help in doing that. God, help me to keep my eyes on you. Because I'm just like you. I struggle. I struggle with keeping my eyes on God. You know, and, and, and not focusing on all the negative in this world. It's a struggle, even more than ever now. You know, in the day and age of having, of having these devices You see everything, you see everything that's taking place all around the world and it's discouraging, it's discouraging. But how many of you know that when you are a child of God, amen, your focus isn't on those things, amen? Your hope is in the Lord. We need to be a church and a people that is able to encourage others to put their hope in the Lord. God help us. God help us. Because we're 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 real we're real human beings. You look in the mirror and you're a real human being. You wonder why the struggle is real. Why, because you're real. But how many know God is real? Amen. The struggle may be real and it may be great, but God is greater. Man, you need to be encouraged tonight. You're in church. You're right where God wanted you to be. You could have stood home and watched it, you know, on live streaming, but it's not the same. It's not the same. You know, we thank God for you that are watching live stream, but get yourselves out to church next time. Get yourselves out. I understand there may be situations, you know, that that don't allow you to come out right now. Amen. But take a step of boldness and courage. Amen. And be around your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Fellowship with one another. You need it. You need it. We're praying for you. We'll see you next service. So we've been having a great series entitled A Heart After God's. So you've been talking about David. And talking about how. How the Bible says David was a man after god 's own heart, and I mentioned many weeks ago in the beginning of this series how when you think about David you, 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 know, you tend to think about you know, uh, yes the goods the the awesome, amazing things that God did through his life, but then you also think of the bad things David did, and we got into how how the the Bible is still able to call David a man after God's own heart. You see, because it's something, it's something deeper that God sees in David's life. Yes, David made mistakes. We all make mistakes, don't we? No one is perfect here, right? If you were perfect, you wouldn't be here, huh. you wouldn't need to be in church. You and I are here. Why? Because we need help. Amen? We need healing. And on a daily basis. So David had his struggles. But we've been looking at how David had a heart after God's. And each week we've been looking at those. And tonight, as we read our series text in the book of Acts chapter 13... In verse 22, the Bible reads like this, and it says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. He says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. says, he will do everything I want him to do. Let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you have made. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight, Father, as we hear your word, that we would not only be hearers, but doers of your word. And in that, we will see the true reward. The reward of obedience that you are trying to teach us. And that in obedience, Lord, that we will be spared from so much hurt in our lives, so much regrets. Yes, it may not be easy, Lord, but we know that you are with us and you are guiding us and you are strengthening us. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you are comforting us. You are a staff. Father, we thank you. We can't thank you enough. You are so faithful. Lord, help us. Help us to be a reflection of you in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. And Amen. A man after my own heart, God says. Tonight, as we wrap up our series, A Heart After God's, I want to in going over the life of David, we're going to be looking at how David was a worshiper of God. The Bible defines worship as a reverent devotion and allegiance pledged to God. The English word "worship" comes from the old English word "worthship." A word that expresses the worthiness of the one receiving the special honor or devotion. And how many of you believe that God is worthy of your praise? Do you believe it? Do you believe that he is really worthy of your praise? After after the way, after how today went in your life do you believe God is worthy of your praise? Looking back on this past year in your life, do you believe that God is worthy of your praise? Looking ahead, you don't know what's to come, but you're just trusting in the Lord. Do you believe that he is worthy of your praise? See, we've come a long way, church. You and I, we've come a long way. And if you look at yourself and you say, wow, you know, you may say, I look good, right? How many of you look in the mirror and say, I look good? Maybe some of you do. The rest, I don't know. But hopefully you can look in the mirror and you can say, man, you look good. Why? Because God, amen, God has restored your life. God is transforming you, amen. You are not the same person that you used to be before Christ. You're not the same. David wrote this song in First Chronicles, chapter 16 and verse 23. He wrote these words to the song, and he says, let the whole earth sing to the Lord. He says, each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. He says, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise this is david's words you know i think of i think of when of when young david he was a he was a kid he was a kid when he played the harp for king saul when king saul was getting tormented and young david brought his harp over and as he played for king saul that tormenting spirit, the Bible says, went away? Was it because of how good David played? Could it possibly be that the, that the demons were just so flabbergasted and blown away by the way David played the harp that they left King Saul? Could it be? No, no way. It was more than that. It was more than just his talent. You see, David had a heart after God. And so when he played that harp, David played in spirits, which we're gonna get into right now. There was more behind it than just pure talent. And let me tell you, when it comes to worship, worship isn't just the act of singing or playing music. Oh man, worship is far beyond that. When you read, when you read the Word of God, that's worship. When you hear the Word of God, it's worship, amen? When you pray, you are worshiping God. When you are witnessing to someone, you are worshiping God. When you got baptized, amen, you were worshiping God. When you take communion, you're worshiping God. These are all forms of worship in our life, along with singing. See, the talent doesn't bring the presence of God in this place. Did you know that? <laughs> you, can, you can be the worst musician ever. It doesn't matter. If your heart is chasing after God, then that's all we need. That's all we need. You could be the worst singer ever. I heard someone say, you know, you could, you could be like a prison singer. Always, always behind a few bars. <laughs> huh. That's one of those dad jokes. It doesn't matter, amen? If your heart is after God's, that's all God needs. He says, I'm there. Oh man, look at this church. They, you know, you know, they, they, they may not know how to play these instruments, man, but their heart, their heart is all for me. I'm, I'm there. I'm there. You're going to see me move in this place. Worship. I want you to remember this. Write it down. True worship. True worship can only exist when God is at the center of it. I want you to write that down. True worship can only exist when God is at the center of it. It's exactly what worship is. When we worship God, we say, God, you are first and foremost. God, it is only you God, it is all about you. See, if you're not worshiping God, if he isn't the center in your life, then something else has taken that place. Amen? Because if God isn't the center, something is, is the center. We all, we all have something that we have placed in the center of of our being, of what we are chasing after, of what we seek, of what we worship. We've all placed something in the center of our lives. And God says, that's what worship is. You place me in the center of your life and you're smack dab in the middle of worship. We need to understand that worship is not for us. It's for God. When we come to church, yes, we get excited about worship. But let us not get excited in the, in the frame of mind and thinking that, that we are going to get something from it. That's not how we go into worship. Because worship is a giving Amen? You guys grab that? Worship is to give. But God in his goodness, God in his goodness doesn't just leave it that way. He always gives to us. This is just because of who he is. He's a great God. And so this is just a result of God being God. That when we worship, amen, he will in turn bless us. Things take place in our lives when we put God in the center. That's awesome. Because we're not expecting it. We're not doing it for that reason. But that's just who God is. But make sure that we go with the right thinking and intentions when it comes to worship. God wants us to have an understanding, amen? An understanding of what worship truly means and what it looks like. I love how God's word brings clarity into my life. We find our first point in John chapter four, verse 24. John 4.24 says the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And that brings us to point number one, to worship in spirit and in truth. Well, the question is, well, how do we do that? these are things that I... Seek to do in my own life. I always have questions. I always always want to to get some clarity in verses like this. What does that truly mean? How can I do it? Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. And he says to set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Man, just reading that verse, I get convicted. (laughs) Set your mind on things above and not on the earth. How many times, how many times are are you focused on all the negative around you in this world? I don't want you to dwell on it right now, but just think really quickly of all the things that have that have come out of your mouth that was negative in regards to what has taken place around you oh man god help me god help me cuz there's times where i get wrapped up there's times where i lose focus and i start and i start finding myself in that same crowd of people that are that are the that are the 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 the, the crowd of anger The mob. Why is this happening and why is that happening? And, you know, look at this. And, you know, how are things going to get better? And this takes place in our lives. How much time do we spend complaining about things here on earth? About things taking place in our lives? You need to ask God for help. I need to ask God for help. Lord, help me to only speak words that edify. Lord, help me to speak words that build others up and not tear them down. Lord, help me to speak words, Lord, that uh, of you. Lord, I I know your word. I know you. I know who you are. Lord, help me to speak like your child would speak. He continues in verse 10, and Paul writes in Colossians 3, verse 10, he says to put on your new nature. He says, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. He says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. He says, Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. He says, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you look like. Christ loves each and every one of us. He didn't give his life for a certain demographic. He didn't give his life just for one nation. He gave his life for you and I. You and I here tonight, you who are watching tonight, he gave his life for you. He gave his life for you. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't change the fact that Christ gave his life for you. The fact that it happened doesn't rely on you believing or not. You being with God forever and ever eternally does matter. but Christ did die for you. He does love you. The enemy wants you to to think that he doesn't. The enemy wants you to think that he didn't. But how how many times have we caught the enemy in a lie before? But yet we still believe those things yet we still allow him to to speak into our lives. No, you you need to close your ear to all those lies, amen? And you need to open your ears for the truth, for the word of God. Allow God to speak into your life, amen? We need his word. See, we worship God because we know that he is worthy of praise, He's almighty. He's all-knowing. He's all that we need. And as we worship Him, we continue to grow in our knowledge of Him. You see, to worship God in spirit and in truth, it means that we must engage our heart and our mind. That's what that means. To worship God in spirit and in truth is to worship him in spirit and in truth. You guys following me? Doesn't matter what style of worship is played, if it's acoustic, if it's amplified, if it's traditional, If it's modern, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is that your heart is in it. What matters to God is that you are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. That you are worshiping him with your heart and with the understanding of knowing who he is. This is what God seeks from us. Paul writes this, I love this, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. He says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Man. Jeez. That's heavy. <laughs> that is heavy. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from what? Oh, oh man, freedom, freedom from the sin, from the the life that sin has denied us from. Freedom from that. Freedom, freedom from, freedom from, I'm sorry, the life that sin had you a part of. You're free of that. In the, in, in worship, You are free from the life that you used to live, from those chains of bondage of sin. They were broken in your life. And as you worship, amen, you worship in liberty. The ability for you and I to obey God. You're free to do so. You're free to choose his will for your life. You have the freedom. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is here tonight. There is freedom in this place. There is freedom in this place. (laughs) Isaiah 29, 13. The Lord says, these people claim to worship me, but their words are meaningless and their hearts are somewhere else. Their religion is nothing but human rules and traditions, which they have simply memorized. Which brings us to point number two tonight, and that's worship wholeheartedly. This is what God seeks from us. He wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth, and he wants us to worship him wholeheartedly You know I thank God that we don't just come to church and we just we just repeat things that were that we repeat at every single service or 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 just tradition because that's what, that's what God is talking about here. When he says that their religion is nothing but human rules and traditions, which they have simply just memorized. Someone going to, a, going to a church facility and just reading off things because they've been doing it since they were a little kid, but then after church, they just live the same way as before. There's no change in their life. There's no change. It's it's something that has become just a tradition. It's something that has become just something that they do. Let me do this today, and then I'll be good for the rest of the week. That's not how God wants you to live. That's not freedom. Freedom isn't free to do whatever you want to do. Freedom is to do what you ought to do. Second Chronicles 31 verse 21 says Hezekiah dedicated his life to serving God. Whatever he did for the worship in God's temple, the Bible says he did it wholeheartedly. And the Bible says and he succeeded. He succeeded How can I worship wholeheartedly? What, is that, what does that look like? Well, for me, it looks like the focus. To focus on God. When you worship him wholeheartedly that you do so in a manner and in a time when you can give God your full attention. When you do something wholeheartedly, that you are all in. You have both feet in, not one in, one out. You're not undecided, or you're not trying to still decide what side you are on. You have decided. And you say, God, I'm going to follow you. God, I am yours. The Bible talks about how God hates when we are half-hearted. He does. He despises it. He says, he says I will spit those out of my mouth. Those individuals will not be with me in heaven, the Bible says. Yeah, that's harsh. But when it it comes to serving God and when it comes to making a commitment, God wants us to understand that when you make a commitment, you better be all in. And that's just not in, in our service to him, but in our service in life in our relationships. When you make a commitment, amen, you need to stand by that commitment. You don't, you, don't have, you don't have the ability to say, you know what? Yeah, I made this commitment 15, 20 years ago and I think that that commitment I think is expired now so I can do whatever I wanna do. That's not how that works. There is no expiration date on commitment. At least not on God's behalf. When he commits himself to us, he doesn't put an expiration date on that. He doesn't say, well, I've been good to you all these years, and I think here we come to an end. You know, every, every good thing has to come to an end, right? Right? Not with God. It just keeps getting better and better and better, doesn't it? Why? Because God has made a commitment to you and I. He has made a commitment that if we commit to serving him, he will never leave us. He will never leave us. He will never hurt us. Worshiping God wholeheartedly. You see, a true worshiper holds nothing back. 1 John 4.19. John says, we are able to love because he first loved us. Isn't that so true? We only know how to love because God has loved us first. We only know how to show that godly love because of what has been shown to us. It's unconditional. The Bible says that he leaves the 99 to go after the one. Remember that? The one who went astray. He leaves the 99. He doesn't abandon the 99. All right, don't don't misconstrue God's word. Don't twist it. He doesn't abandon them. He comes back for them. But he leaves the 99 to go after the one who went astray. Why? Because that's his heart. He wishes that none would perish, the Bible says. He seeks that none would, would fall to disobedience and unbelief. What does John three sixteen say? That God loved us so much that he gave us his best. Isn't it? Isn't that what it says, in short? He gave us his best. And this is what God expects from us. Church, you and I can do it. We give give so many individuals and even so many jobs our best at times. We do it, I know we do. If If the amount is right, amen, you give it your best. We do that. How about giving God your best? How about giving God your best? I mean, he just gave everything for you. He just gave everything for me. The least I can do is give God my best. David writes in Psalm 91, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. He also writes this in Psalm 63, verse two through four. He says, so here I am in the place of worship, eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory. In your generous love, I am really living at last. Oh man, that's awesome. I'm really living at last. My lips brim praises like fountains. I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners of praise to you. These are David's words. It's no wonder why we are able to speak of him tonight. That he can st- his life still encourages us tonight. This is why. Because it was that heart... It was that heart that God is looking for. That heart that, that God says, I look, I look across everywhere and I look for the one whose heart is after me. I look for that one. And we see it here in David. In 2 Kings verse 17, verse 13, I'm gonna begin here. 2 Kings 17, verse 13. Says again and again, the Lord had sent his prophets to warn both Israel and Judah. And he said, Turn from all your evil ways. Obey my commands and decrees, the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey, and that I gave you through my servants, the prophets. Verse 14, but the Israelites would not listen. Man, they have a history of being disobedient. <laughs> says they were they were as stubborn as their ancestors who had refused to believe in the Lord their God they rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors and they despised all his warnings they worshiped worthless idols so they became worthless themselves they followed the example of the nations around them disobeying the Lord's command Not to imitate them. Verse 28, it says So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria returned to Bethel and taught the new residents how to worship the Lord. Verse 32 These new residents worshiped the Lord, but they also appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests to offer sacrifices at their places of worship. And though they worshiped the Lord, they continued to follow their own gods according to the religious customs of the nations from which they came. Verse 35, For the Lord had made a covenant with the descendants of Jacob and commanded them Do not worship any other gods, or bow before them, or serve them, or offer sacrifices to them, but worship only the Lord, who brought you out of Egypt with great strength and a powerful arm. Bow down to him alone, and offer sacrifices only to him. Verse 38. Do not forget the covenant I made with you, and do not worship other gods. You must worship only the Lord your God. He is the one who will rescue you from all your enemies. And verse 40, but the people would not listen and continued to follow their former practices. And so while these new residents worshiped the Lord, they also worshiped their idols. And to this day, their descendants do the same. Which brings us to point number three tonight. Let your worship to God compel others. See what took place here. What I'm reading here is a God that is very, very patient. Did you get that from that as well? Did any of you catch that? God's patience there? He says, Again and again, I give them these instructions, and yet they still don't obey me. God is a patient God. He gives us many chances. He does. A ton of chances. He does. And he says, you do not worship any other God beside me. Those gods didn't get you out of Egypt. They didn't rescue you. It was my mighty arm that rescued you from bondage, from slavery. Why are you worshiping something that did nothing for you? David writes this in Psalm 145, verse 4. He says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. See, what God was telling them was, he, was he, he corrected them and he said, he says, man, you're being just like your fathers and your grandfathers and your great-grandfathers and on and on and on. They were being disobedient to me and you're just like them. Now, I don't know about you, but I want my generations to come to be a generation that worship God. Generations that are obedient to God. I don't want my generations to be disobedient. So what does that mean? That means that I need to check myself. I need to make sure that I am not just speaking a good talk, but setting the real example. We must teach our kids, our grandchildren, the importance of worship. But as I said, even more importantly, to model it. As a child, I experienced the power of worship because it was demonstrated to me. I experienced the power of worship because of someone else's faith in the Lord. Because, because someone else worshiped with their heart and I experienced with my very own eyes the power of God through worship. I'm so blessed to have my kids in in our class during our services. I'm so blessed. When when we go pick up our kids, I I, I picked up my daughter this past Sunday and I picked her up and she was singing. She was singing in class, and I called her over, and I kid you not, she did not stop singing. She came to me singing, and, uh, and I called her over. She came to me singing. She ran down the hallway away from me singing. I had a chase her as she was singing down the hallway. I thought, man, what a blessing that is. I don't mind chasing her. But what a blessing it is that she's singing. She's singing God's praises, amen? They're teaching our kids how to worship God. In Sunday school tonight, they're teaching your children about God. They're teaching your children to worship God in spirit and in truth. That's what's happening right now. You're blessed. You're blessed. While you're in here being fed and being taught, they're doing the exact same thing. I thank God for our ministry workers. I thank God for them. How many of us leave church that way? Singing, excited. You leave out of here and you have the joy of the Lord. You can't stop praising God. That's the way God wants you to leave church, amen? I'm just letting you know right now. That's the the joy of the Lord that you need to have upon your life. You may have come in a grump, amen, but you're gonna, you're gonna leave smiling today. You're gonna leave smiling. That's the joy of the Lord. As the worship team comes forward tonight. You may have come to church tonight worn out. God is renewing your strength. He's renewing your strength right now. Right now as I speak, he is renewing your strength. Amen. You need to you need to claim it tonight. Amen. God, I claim renewed strength. Lord, I claim your joy. I claim your peace over my life right now. I claim healing in the name of Jesus. You need to speak Jesus over your life. You need to speak life over your life, amen? And that's the word of Jesus. That's the name of Jesus Christ. God is ready to take us to new levels, church. He's ready. He's ready to take us from glory to glory. He's ready. but he waits for us. He waits for you and I. God's a patient God. You can't deny that. I can't deny that. But let's not make God wait any longer. Allow him to do his full work in your life by you worshiping him wholeheartedly. And remember true worship, true worship can only exist when God is at the center. God is at the center, oh man, you're doing what he has created you to do, exactly, exactly what he's created you to do. You found purpose. Oh, I'm telling you right now, you will find purpose. That's where it's at. There's nothing else beside that. God says it's all about me. He says when you make your life all about me, oh man. All the things that I would do through your life. psalm 145 21 he says my mouth is filled with god's praise thank you jesus let everything living bless him bless his holy name from now to eternity let's give god praise tonight let's worship god tonight give him praise make him the center right now in your life worship him in spirit and in truth hallelujah He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy. He is faithful. Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As every head is bowed, every eye closed.